0: Welcome to the Scars and Guitars podcast, my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you're doing pretty bloody well. The guest that you're about to hear from is the frontman for the band Saxon. We have a wonderful discussion about all sorts of things but primarily the reason for the chat was to promote the new album from Saxon called Thunderbolt. Let's get to it, here he is, Mr Biff Byford from the band Saxon. Biff, I'll kick things off and I want to welcome you to the show. You do have a new album soon to be released called Thunderbolt, and we'll talk a bit more about that. But first, what's the good oil, mate? What's been happening in your world lately?
1: Uh, Well, we've just finished uh, a European-UK tour. We did eight shows to support the album. And um, just getting ready to uh, shoot off to America to go out with Judas Priest um, for 10 weeks, I think. We finish in Mexico. Um, down in Central America. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Everything's going good. The album's getting fantastic reviews. Mm. Um, So, yeah, everything's
0: everything's a go. Everything's a go, yeah. I'll ask a few questions about the Judas Priest tour in a sec, but, um, you know, you are 22 albums into your career, so where do you think Thunderbolt sits compared to the other albums in your canon of work? Now, the reason I ask that question, I'd like to know if it's similar to any through theme or even narrative.
1: Uh, well, I don't think I've read a bad review yet on Thunderbolt. Um, so obviously this album looks to be, uh, one of those special albums that, um, hmm. people really like, um, um, it's selling really well. We've had, we've had ridiculous chart positions in Europe, number five in Germany. It's the best chart position ever. Yeah. Uh, top 30 in UK. Um, you know, best position since 1984. So, um, yeah, I think I think um, things are, um, I think the last three or four albums have been great, and I think we had to pull one out of the bag for this one, because uh, Battery and Ram was, was great.
0: Good album, yeah. Uh,
1: so yeah. we just fo- we just focused a little bit more on this album, uh, because I wasn't producing it uh, with Andy. I let Andy do it himself. It just gave me a bit more time to work, on their, you know melodies and arrangements and uh, hmm. different things.
0: Are people finally getting Saxon? Do you think? I mean, you've been around doing this now for as, <laughs> as, you know longer than almost well, as long as Iron Maiden, or longer.
1: Well, yeah, about the same. maybe maybe a year longer than Maiden. I think they're nineteen eighty. I think. Yep. But, um, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. People seem to be getting it. Yeah, uh, and. Do you I don't know what really why. I can't. I can't. I got. I can't Only put it down to uh, the songwriting as as remained. Uh, mm. You know, we still have a lot of. We still have passion and fire. You know, we're not. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like it when older bands relax and start to take things easy. I think. I think you should be on the edge, and uh, you know, I'm pushing the guitar boys all the time mm. to. Um, you know, to to write, uh, you know, full-on guitar riffs that are on the edge of ability. You know, and um, I suggested yeah. that we shouldn't do as many guitar solos on this album, and maybe we should do some twin lead stuff like the Eighties. And nice. uh, yeah. You know, they went for that. So, you know, when you actually do play a solo, then it, it means more. You know what I mean? So, mm, uh, totally. yeah, just generally things like that, really, and just little little details that um, you know make the big picture.
0: Um, better, really. Mm. Here's a question for you. Now, I've been looking forward to this chat because I've always wanted to ask you this question because you have enjoyed commercially a co- commercially fertile relationship with Germany ever since the album Denim and Leather charted in 1981. Mm-hmm. And that, that relationship has gone right through thrash, grunge, electronica, and God knows how many other fads and trends. So... Made in your view why do you think Saxon and indeed so many great metal bands have been received so well for so long in Germany Uh
1: I don't really know I th- I think I think um I don't really know you'd have to you'd have to go into the the psyche of of uh of just rock music in general in mm. Germany I think I think you know in the in the 60s and 70s I think you know, there was a lot of Americans based in uh, Germany, and um, I think I think a lot of Germans of that generation listened to a lot of uh, American rock music. Um, do you know what I mean? Because okay. all the yeah. radio stations Makes played sense. it. So I think I think uh, they had their own style of uh, of uh, rock music in Germany, and you know, when hmm. we came along. You know, I mean, before that, actually, I mean, Judas Priest were pretty big in Germany before we had an album out, and so were it. So, uh, you know, they've always had a great appreciation for, uh, you know, for classic classic metal, classic rock, really. really? Um, you know, the hard, the hard edge with the melodic uh, vocal has it, always been popular in Germany. Uh, you know, Scorpions, uh, definitely. So I think they have... Uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, rock fans in Germany as well. It's a big country. Yeah. Um, mm. So, I just think I don't know. I just think because maybe, maybe that maybe the radio stations didn't quite uh, stop playing rock music there. They carried on playing it, maybe, I and mean, then that's a big, that's a big thing as well. You know, airplay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the magazines probably kept, you know, kept supporting the bands. Uh, didn't move on to, uh, you know, the newer bands quite so quickly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's, a, there's probably a thousand reasons for it, but um, they have re- uh, remained loyal
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, over the years, loyal, the German yeah. bands,
1: definitely.
0: Well, yeah. I, know, I know what it's like Not just the Saxon,
1: to all the bands, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. you're you're at the centre of it, but, yeah, to your point, you know, man of war, um, you know, maiden in particular, priest, you know, just seem to have gone from strength to strength over there. And Now, here's a question. Now, I've asked some of you, you know, leaders of bands that have been around for almost as long as you guys. So I've asked Shmir from Destruction, Blitz from Overkill, Mille from Creator and Lips from Anvil this question. How did you survive playing heavy metal after Nirvana broke the mainstream in 1991, which effectively broke heavy metals back, really, didn't it? You know, I mean, what was it like trying to survive that eight or nine-year period up until the early 2000s when metal was effectively a Whoa. dirty word?
1: Well, I think I think the fans. Well, some bands didn't do. They stopped playing. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot went out. I mean, look at and destruction. And they came back later. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but no, we were we were playing. Uh, I mean, again, the fans really, the loyal fans kept us kept us going through that period. And obviously, the record company had faith in us and kept releasing albums, so we never really stopped doing what we did. I mean, I think the Nirvana Pearl Jam. I think the Grunge thing, in some respects, was a good thing. Kicked everybody up the arse. And said, you know, it's not about makeup and hair. It's about the, it's about the and the attitude and you know, mm. uh, and and the, and the, the what we're singing about. So I, I don't think it was a bad thing, um, really, for, for that period. You know, I think, you know, every ten years a new a new sort of style comes along. Uh, that was the a new wave of of, of of sort of music that swept America and went around the world. Yeah. So, um, I don't think you can um, you can really complain when that happens because that's how that's what happens. Music regenerates and new fans come along and new music, new generation of fans. Uh, but I think I think our fans kept us going through that period and the record mm-hmm. company as well. And that's where countries like Germany, you know, England, we could play we could play four or five shows in England, you know, in the north and one show in London. So it kept us kept us going, and we toured. You know, we toured around the world. We did Japan and places. So South mm-hmm. America was still mm-hmm. strong. So I think we did what every other band did. You know, I mean, Maiden did the same. And so did Motorhead, and so did Priest. We just um, we just played it to our fans, and um, you know, we uh, we sort of learnt to um, adapt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Yeah, Maiden certainly took a left turn through that period, didn't they? Well, that's my opinion, of course. But fans, everybody you know, fans did. Shared. Everybody
1: did. You know, the the singer left, and you know, yeah, mm. I mean, everybody did. It was a, it was a one of them periods. But you know, you have to look forwards and not backwards. And uh, you know, it. Um, I thought I thought it was all right. You know, we we survived it. Um, we were playing festivals, and we just took a took a pay cut. You know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hunkered down and um, you know working class attitude really.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably what Something got me through big yeah. time as well. That that northern working class attitude that you've got to you know that you've got to you've just got to get out there for the fans. The fans want the music, so just keep playing. No,
1: well, it's a never surrender attitude. You know that, that's where it comes from. And um, you know there's uh, you have to look forward, you not know, backwards, and you know you have to find your way through mm. uh, if you can. And uh, you know, if you're surrounded by people that are uh, similarly minded, you know, it's um, it's it's good. You know, it's like a it's like a family,
0: isn't it? Right. Um, yeah, bands but, are like that. Yeah, I can say that. Yeah, first I mean, too it, too it was man.
1: good. It was good for us. You know, it um, it taught us a a really good lesson. You know, don't um, don't get complacent. Don't relax. You know, keep the fire. Um, keep it on the edge. And it, it taught it. Taught Saxon a, a good lesson, and um, whether it taught all the bands a good lesson, I've no idea. But um, you know, some of them fell along the wayside, and then you know decided to come back again um, when things got better. But um, I think bands like us, Maiden, Priest, Motorhead, uh, all um, you know, uh, went through that period and survived, mm. and came out the other side a better band, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, well a lot of a lot of people would agree. It's certainly a very consistent band. But I think to survive that and come out the other end and produce arguably stronger material, if you don't mind me saying it, since probably the year two thousand and one or thereabouts. That's quite something else though, isn't it? You know? What what do you what do you put that down yeah, to is I think, it I... Here, right, you go.
1: Well, I think I think determination and um, you know, I always have a lot of it comes from me, I suppose, uh, pushing. Uh, the band and not letting people relax on their their laurels. And, you know, the fact that we had big hits in the H's, you know, we should be striving for big hits now. And, um, you know, we're never going to have that uh, success again, that we had in the H's because it's not the H's, but it doesn't mean to say you can't try and write great albums. And that's what we try and do. Um, And I think on this album in particular, we've uh, we've created something that's a bit special. And um, like I say, I've not really seen one bad review of, uh, of Thunderbolt. So, you know, and we have had uh, quite a lot of success already. And people know the song. When we've been playing live, people know the songs already. Is that right?
0: Okay, uh, yeah,
1: Which is strange as well. So obviously a lot of people bought it in the first couple of weeks, you know, of it coming out.
0: So I got into... I'll share this with you. I got into you guys through... And the reason I mentioned the early early 2000s, sorry, is because Killing Ground came out then and you also re-recorded some tracks from early on in your career. And that's how I ended up getting through yeah. into you guys through that. Because remember Metal Maniacs magazine, the American publication that used to be a yeah a print magazine? Uh, but that were, I think it lasted until 2005 or so. They did a pretty good review of that and I remember getting into it through that way. But did you think... Did, All right, cool. Did... did, did you know, you, you made a decision, which I applaud, by the way, going back and re-recording things and br- giving them to a new audience because I was only about 19 or 20 back then. So I was able to gain an appreciation yeah. for your early material because you re-recorded some of it and was able to go back and listen to some of the stuff that you recorded way back in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. But um, how important yeah. was was that album to you guys?
1: Uh, well, the, yeah, you're talking about the the, 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 the the album we gave away, aren't you? The the I think so that's a right. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, right.
1: that seven tracks. Yeah, I think it's very important because um like you say, you know, we were we were you know, we had a, we had a huge um, still had a huge following from from the older fans, but I, I think those albums like Killing Ground and some of those albums pull a younger audience. Mm. Um so it was good to re-record them with a little bit a little bit different quality. Um um, we didn't really change that much. We just used a, a few different modern sounds uh, on them, but basically they're the same. They're just re-recorded. And um, mm. yeah, I think I think a lot of people got into the older stuff through that, and then went back and listened to the original. And um, because we didn't try to recreate the original sounds, that um, they're two different products, if you know what I mean. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So it worked worked really good. I mean, you know, and, and people still bring. You know, those albums and CDs for us to sign a lot. Uh, so a lot of younger fans will bring that CD, Heavy Metal Thunder, re recorded stuff to us yeah. and, um, and say, you know, we got into the band from this. So, you know, it was a good move, actually.
0: Yeah. Uh, I
1: don't think we thought that at the time, but, um, you know, we just wanted to re-record a few old tracks uh, make them sound a little bit more uh, better on the hi-fi uh, situation.
0: Yeah, but um, it
1: that. worked in our favour, you know. It it um, got uh, our music uh, a little bit back on the radio, a bit, and uh, and definitely into uh, into uh, younger fans' hands. And the older fans liked it as well because, you know, it was a it was one CD that had all the big hits on it, so yes. it's perfect for the car.
0: You know, yeah, motorcycle man and everything was on there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's. Uh, you um, you mentioned earlier about your tour with Priest, okay, and talking about a band that's had to work around things, uh, as you alluded to when I asked a question about how you got through the '90s. You know, your mates with um, Glenn and Rob. But how do you think Andy Sneap will go handling Glenn's parts on the, the guitar on the tour? Because he's actually. I don't yeah, yeah, I've you know.
1: been talking. To- no, I've been talking to Andy about it. Um, you know, we've been working with Andy for like six or seven years now yeah yeah he's really I mean, Andy's really excited because like i said you know to a guy before you andy is is a modern is a modern uh producer but his heart is really in the 80s and he loves bands like uh you know saxon priest that white Snake stuff so mm. um it's perfect for him really because he loves that type of music so i think he'll do a good job actually um so yeah, it should be good. I mean, he's rehearsing, he's rehearsing at the moment with uh, with them. So um, fingers crossed that he can uh, pull it off. You know,
0: Reckon uh, hopefully um, Glenn will be there. Yeah, I wonder if he'll do any guest appearances for you guys prior to going on stage with uh, with Priest, because I imagine that could definitely <laughs> happen.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to have all. I think he's going to have his workers out remembering all the Indeed. songs and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, hopefully Glenn will play it a couple of songs on the encore here and there, that'd be good.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. So for you, mate, what gives you the greatest sense of accomplishment? or What do you feel the most, uh, what do you feel, what gives you the greatest sense of pride when you look back over your career?
1: Um, well, it's always, the thing is with those, it's always down to the new album. You know, I mean, I'm, we're really, we're really sort of proud of the new album and what we've achieved there. And, um, I think when when you when you're writing songs and releasing albums, um, it, it's always a great uh, buzz, you know, around an album release, and um, so I think I think you know we're all focused on this album and this tour. I mean, the past, um, you know, obviously you've got the eighties, which were really strong. You know, uh, eighty eighty one was was a fantastic year for British uh, metal music um, from all the bands, really. Everybody wrote great. Everybody who's still, you know, around today, all wrote great stuff in that period, and um, it's what it what it's what helps us survive today. You know, the the the, the back catalogue and the 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 great hmm. um, feeling that everybody had around the world for that new British a metal thing that happened there. So yeah, I think you know, looking back on that and the new albums, you know, uh, everything since. Uh, well, possibly everything since Metalhead has been uh, a move forward for Saxon,
0: definitely. OK. You know, I, I watched your performance with Metallica at their 30th anniversary show, and what I couldn't help but notice was that there are a lot of comments on social the social media platform, YouTube, um, saying that yours was the strongest appearance where you sang Motorcycle Man. And i got to tell you, these are my own comments, I don't. I'm a musician, and uh, I think Lars is a wonderful businessman, but not such a great drummer. But Lars's drumming actually sounded very tight against your vocal and a song that you created. You know, his groove worked very well. So, what was the show like from your vantage point there?
1: Um, the thirtieth anniversary one in San Francisco. Yeah,
0: 2011. Two yes. Yeah. one. Yes. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a great. It was great actually. I mean, it was a bit. Uh, it was a bit surreal because. Um, uh, we had a day off. Uh, we were on tour, and we had a day off um, traveling day. <laughs> from I think it was from uh, Nice, <laughs> Denmark, or somewhere into Poland. It was the you know. And uh, the last phone we up and said, "Oh, we we want you to come and um, uh, you know sing with us on our thirtieth anniversary." I was like, uh, "While well, we're touring," I was like, "Oh, we've got a day off. I'll I'll try and do it." So. um so they bought me a ticket, and I flew in. Uh, went straight to uh, their rehearsal room in um, somewhere over the bridge in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we rehearsed it a couple of times. I'd already played it with them once in Paris. So, um, and then we did the show, and um, it was great. Actually, you know, it was good. And uh, actually, they played it great. They did play it really well. It's not, it's not an easy song to play, uh, "Motorcycle Man." It sounds easy.
0: No, the rhythm's Quite very tight. Thin. It's almost A C D C style Malcolm Hunger. Yeah, yeah, I thought
1: yeah. he played it great and um yeah, they were very happy and then I got on the plane and flew back to Poland. <laughs> <laughs> I got brought back to the show uh, four hours before doors opened. so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a tight squeeze, but um yeah, it was good fun. It was crazy. Um, you know, a bit like that film Getting Get to the Geek. Um Yeah, yes. yeah it was yeah. uh, <laughs> Getting to the Geek on time. But, yeah, uh, it was a crazy thing to do. And, um, you know, I'm sure Metallica appreciated it. But it was good fun. It was good fun, you know. Well, I, thought, um,
0: I thought it was a wonderful recognition. The, the thing is with Metallica,
1: they've never covered a Saxon song. Uh, I'll notice
0: that. yeah. Dammonhead and
1: Bullet yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, they just love that, um, you know, they're a huge Saxon fan of Metallica. And, obviously, that that song and Princess of the Night, I think, are probably their favourite two Saxon songs. Um so we could have done either one, really, and mm. you know I think more Man is more thrashy. I think uh, more suitable it's, for them. Their style that they created. Um, so yeah, it was good fun. But, yeah. um, looking back on it, it was a crazy thing to do.
0: Well, I th- what I was saying a moment ago was I think it's wonderful recognition of your contribution to heavy metal by. Without doubt, I think it's either them or my Maiden or Judas Priest, one of the three most popular heavy metal bands of all time. You know, in terms of the fans' perspective. So I thought it was a wonderful um, tip of the hat to you guys, and hopefully, it. it...
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, they didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't have to add me there. I just think, you know, we were part of their uh, inspiration and uh, where mm-hmm. they came from, and um, you know, it's really nice for them to. Uh, acknowledge that some um, you know we helped them in their in their creation really of their style of music you know flash music so yeah it was great it was great of them to uh, you know i wouldn't have done that for anybody believe me mm,
0: yeah no i can imagine yeah, especially not getting to the I mean, style. <laughs> you, know, they,
1: you know they asked me to go and you know and i do appreciate i do love metallica and uh, they're a bunch of nice guys and it was nice of them to ask me and uh you know, I, if I hadn't have gone, I would have regretted it, definitely.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, no, I can understand that, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got my last question for you. Something I've always been fascinated with is that your voice seems to get better with age, and I mean that. So what special exercises do you do, or do you even have to do anything to keep your voice in the shape that it's currently in?
1: Uh, no, I don't do anything with my voice. Uh, I sort of, uh, you know, I just... Uh, I just sing, basically. I don't really do anything with my voice.
0: <laughs> Look, I've worked with guys in so, covers bands yeah. who can't seem to keep it together for three sets, but you've been doing it for four or five decades and <laughs> listen to the wonderful shape of your voice, so you've got a gift.
1: Yeah, it's... Um, it, it's a great thing. Um, just a second. There's something gone, fallen down here. Yeah, um, yeah it's a great thing to... Uh, you know, it's a great thing to be able to... Um, have so much, um, you know. What can I say? Really, so much. Um, oh, it's talent. Um, that's talent. Appreciation it is. from fans, really, yeah. that we've uh, we've been around for so long and doing well. You know. Mm.
0: Okay, that's it from me, mate. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Congratulations on a stellar career to date. And actually, this will be my final question. When are you coming to Australia? There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we're talking to the management and agents at the moment. Obviously. Uh, the album's uh, getting some great reviews down in Australia. People seem to love it. So um, you know, the, the stronger the album is, the more uh, chance there are we can tour different countries. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're looking at maybe coming uh, early next year, like January, February, or March, or something. I mean, okay. there's a there's a um, there's a sort of um, download in there.
0: Yeah, downloads this month, actually, yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, maybe we should get on that next year. That would be good.
0: Fingers crossed. There are few
1: shows around it. That would be great. Mm,
0: that would be wonderful. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge yeah. to whoever the promoter yeah. is, who owns it, who, uh, no doubt you know him. He's, I know he's a Brit, so hopefully he's listening to the podcast. <laughs> he gets a bit of a hint to put you well, guys Andy, on. Andy, Andy Copping. That's it. That's yeah, well, yeah.
1: you know, we know Andy, yeah. 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 Oh, get well. us a gig, Andy.
0: <laughs> All right, then, cool. All right, thanks very much, mate. You're a legend. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I host the Scars and Guitars podcast and that was my discussion with Mr. Biff Byford, the frontman for the band Saxon.